You're now listening to the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Today, we're joined with Natik Patel. Natik is a CPA and senior advisor on our team, former Big Four alumni and fellow real estate investor. And he also uh, has his fair share of crypto investments these days as well. I'm sure we'll touch on that as it's been a very hot topic amongst our clients and pretty much the entire world this year. Before we jump right into today's episode, we all know minimizing taxes is essential to growing your portfolio. However, another important aspect of growing your portfolio is making sure you have the right accounting system in place. And while there are plenty of general business accounting software options out there, they're not designed for landlords managing rental properties and can feel clunky and overly complex. Landlord Studio, on the other hand, is designed specifically for do-it-yourself landlords. They offer a full suite of tools designed to help landlords save time with their income and expense tracking, as well as property management tasks like rent collection, rental listings, lease management, and tenant screening. One thing I found particularly impressive was its ability to connect bank accounts to view and reconcile transactions from inside the software. And by using Landlord Studio's mobile app, you can digitize your receipts and the software automatically lifts and imports the receipts details. Landlord Studio is also a great way to stay tax compliant, particularly as they offer a number of different financial reports, including Schedule E, where rental properties are reported on your Form 1040. You can learn more about Landlord Studio by heading to www.landlordstudio.com CPA. Again, that's landlordstudio.com CPA. We'll drop that link in the show notes below, but for now, we'll jump right into today's episode. Hey, Natick, would you be able to give a quick overview of yourself, your background, how you got into the field of real estate? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Tom, for having me. Um, yeah, it's been interesting getting into real estate. Didn't think I would get into real estate, so to say, but you know, growing up, my family business was owning and operating hotels. So that was kind of my first introduction into real estate. And then kind of that kind of went from, you know, having some rentals, duplexes, all that sort of thing. And then as I grew up, and got into college, I was still very hands-on at the family business, I realized there's a huge opportunity for tax savings in real estate. Because a lot of times, you know, you have a lot of income that's generated from real estate investment, whether it's capital gains or just, you know, recurring business that comes through. And through depreciation, my first, my, my first yeah, real experience through it was through depreciation, understanding how depreciation kind of affects taxes and reduces taxes. And, you know, real estate is really the best place to get that depreciation deduction. Um, and that's kind of how I got interested in it. And when I went to master's, I realized I enjoyed tax a lot more. And then taxes and real estate kind of go hand in hand. And then I was fortunate enough to find the real estate CPA. So that was, uh, that was a great, uh, a, a great time to, be, to join uh, real estate CPA and learn even more about um, these tax strategies that we can implement. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely agree. Real estate and tax go hand in hand and uh, kind of just want to drill down into the, into the family business and your investment, your investing experience with the hotels. I uh, got to ask, cause I don't think we've actually ever discussed this before. Yeah. Where, you know, so what type of hotels did you invest in? Where did you invest in these hotels? Where was, uh, can you, can you uh, elaborate a little bit on, on that side? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were most, I was born and raised in Kansas City. So right around Kansas City. So um, went to school over at the University of Kansas. So we had a hotel there um, and hotels just around that area. Uh, and that's kind of, my, my dad got into it many years ago, probably when I was like four or five. Um, so I just kind of grew up around that, um, uh, grew, grew up around the real estate in that sense. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And did you, what role did you end up playing in, you know, in the, in the family business? Yeah. So when I was, uh, at the ripe age of 14, my dad decided to take my summers away from me and made me start working at the, at the hotel. So, uh, started off, you know, doing things that you probably wouldn't imagine be fun. So, you know, cleaning rooms, cleaning toilets. Um, and then I got promoted to being able to sell hotel rooms. So got into like the front desk and answering phone calls, um, talking with guests. And then eventually, um, I took over um, the entire operation because my dad, my dad came into some health issues eventually. So I just took over and kind of um, ended up becoming, you know, um, the main, the main person that has handled all the day-to-day and then overall investing and finding different areas to, to invest in, find different opportunities, I guess. So kind of did it all from zero to zero to high level. Nice, nice, nice. It's good to know a great experience, you know, um, I think you know, getting started at 14 years old in the family business makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure when you're 14, it's, it's a little, you know, who wants to give up their summers, but uh, you know. Yeah. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't a choice. I'll just be honest. It wasn't a choice. Uh, So, so yeah, but now, now I have a daughter. So now I'm I'm thinking 14 years from now, you know, I can, I can put her, put her to work at something. So. Absolutely. I know it's a client. That's a strat- tax strategy. A lot of our clients actually use paying their children to. That is true. I don't think we ever use that though. So now I'm like, man, I could have had more money and I could have <laughs> had it saved away, but it's all right. Yeah. You know, it happened. So, you know, I, I recall, you know, from prior conversations we've had, you've, you eventually, you know, wound down that portfolio of properties or that business <laughs> I guess, you know, what was behind your decision to do that and why, you know, why did you just decide to sell at that point? And I guess what, when you exited those properties, was there any particular tax strategies you used or explored to, to as an exit strategy, or did you just straight sell them to the person as a, as just a plain old vanilla sales transaction? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think eventually the reason why, um, kind of wound that down is I had moved over to Texas by that time. So managing those properties remotely um, was a little difficult. You know, it's not like your normal single family rental where, you know, you're kind of managing tenants uh, with hotels. It's like Airbnb, but you have like 70 rooms a night. So like it's, it's a, it's a really, it was a really, um, I guess, taxing event but um in both ways uh, so kind of just wound that down uh, moved the family down here in texas um and really more wound it down just because um you know dad was getting, getting ready to retire so i wanted him to have um the money that he that he worked so hard to that he worked so hard for it and use that towards his life part of his retirement um and uh, we sold it i mean i guess fortunately and unfortunately we sold it around um, right in December, 2019. So really got lucky right before, you know, COVID hit. And I think, you know, in real estate, we've been talking about, it's been like a really hot market has been true for, you know, the single family rental, short-term rentals, but hotels were kind of not, not so good for, for the longest time. I think starting, um, 
towards the latter end of this year in 2021, they started to recover a little bit. Um, but for most for like a year and a half there, it was, it was really, really difficult to, to tread that space. So we got lucky in that I, I wasn't, I wasn't like the, I wasn't the mastermind. It's like, Hey, something's coming. Let's just sell it. And I, I totally got lucky with that. Um, and yeah, we definitely looked at 10th own exchanges, um, nearly got it done. And actually we were about to go to 1031 and we were going to close the week after the lockdown happened. Um, so at that point, I was just like, we just didn't know what was going to happen. So I, we canceled 1031, but otherwise um, it was a pretty much um, done deal that we were going to roll it into a, a 1031. And it was a pretty, I guess, anxiety provoking time for me just because I never, you know, dealt with investing that much money at once <laughs> into real estate. So um, the entire, you know, rolling forward, the entire capital gains into, into a deal was, um, was something definitely but in hindsight it would have worked out great but i mean hindsight's always 2020 yeah yeah right right i mean i, I think uh me and you had some conversations about some past investment woes or, <laughs> or decisions but it's true you know you could always look back in hindsight and say oh you know i should have done this or we should have done that or it would have worked out perfectly but you know you really don't know in that moment all the time um what's going to happen and i know that I know that with the pandemic and the lockdowns that caused a lot of uncertainty in the market. If you look at a lot of the transactions that took place during that period of time, you'll actually see a lot of the properties. If you go like on the MLS or whatever, sell for a lot less than they were listed. Yeah. And, and that's what we try to do is um, it was because we were going to, uh, we we're going to finalize that closing for the 1031 property the week after. And I tried to just low all the offer and say, Hey, would you be willing to, I mean, he didn't budge because as a, I guess I don't know. It, we were 1031 back in here into Texas, and things have always been pretty um, inflated, or I guess not inflated, but there's always been a high demand in Texas. Let's just say yeah. that. Um, so he may have had you know, a couple offers on the table, but you know, had we even gotten into the pro into the price that we had negotiated for, you know, I'd have been up you know 20, 30 percent. But now yeah, you win some, you lose some. What are you gonna do? Very true. Very true. So I, I got to ask, you know, you had, you, you were involved in the family business. Um, you also went to college, you studied accounting, uh, kind of got into uh, the tax space. I guess what was behind your decision um, to, you know, go into tax accounting or, you know, tax advisory rather than stay in the family business for, or was that even a consideration at all? And it just, yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, it definitely was a consideration. Um, and I figured I would probably have it to some extent, maybe not, you know, have, you know, multiple properties or have it take up all my time. But the reason why I really like tax advisory or tax strategy was the fact that I got to see so many different scenarios um, with the family business, right? I mean, you're only going to come into one or two scenarios, you know, every couple of years. Like my, my father had his portfolio properties maybe 15, 20 years. And at the end of it, we were like, oh, what's a tax strategy place? I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And then learning more about that. And I figured, you know, um, as I kind of, you know, build that real estate portfolio back up again, if I know tax strategies ahead of time, I can kind of start planning, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the road rather than, you know, deciding, hey, I want to sell in X year. And then at that time, figure out, Hey, what do I need to do for tax strategies? Right. Um, Cause a lot of times, um, you know, and we, we've seen it both, right. Um, if things are structured 
in different ways on when you buy or even when you're operating, it really makes a big difference when you go to sell. So um, really understanding that entire aspect. I just think, you know, seeing those different different things that every day is a new puzzle. That's sort of really what I really like about um, the tax advisory role. No, absolutely. I, it, it is, it's uh, everybody has, everybody has slightly different facts and circumstances and things going on. It's piecing everything together for somebody is really, really interesting. And, and then being able to know that for yourself too, for your own future mm-hmm. benefits is awesome. Is also a, uh, you know, great, a great thing to have as a tax strategist. So um, kind of, I, I know you were also, you also uh, worked at KPMG. It was one of the big four firms a while back. Uh, what, what role did you play there? Yeah, I was uh, started out as a tax associate. Um, I went in um, in their sales and use tax uh, division. So um, I guess I would say, you know, you have to have a really big passion for sales and use tax. <laughs> I realized quickly that it wasn't there for me. Um, really enjoyed the um, the real estate side. So they did have a, a side where they had uh, property tax. So that's been a, a new um, up and coming area of tax that, you know, that that's been there because especially for real estate owners, right? Um, if you ask them, what is your biggest expenses? It's either, you know, mortgage interest or property tax. And oftentimes right. it's usually the property tax. Um, so that's how I kind of got into uh, real estate tax. And then just, um, just realized that, you know, I like real estate and I like tax. So if I can put those two together, um, that'd be, that'd be a, a great rule for me. So. Right. Right. makes perfect sense. You know, it kind of seems like everything kind of just com- comes together, very natural uh, progression of things. Um, yeah. So I, I got to ask what, what is your favorite tax strategy from, for, you know, that, that you've learned on the real estate side, you know, whether it w- it's just been something you've helped advise clients on, or you use yourself or whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, haven't been able to get in uh, myself uh, on this just because of, how the real estate market has been lately and feels like you put in probably 10, 15 offers and maybe you'll get one, maybe. Right. Um, but uh, it, that, that short-term rental strategy, I really think like it's a powerful tool because, you know, not everybody can become a real estate professional right. um, just right. from the logistical point of view, right? Um, certainly we have many clients who have the ability to transition from their current role into becoming a real estate professional. Um, but, you know, if you're starting out, if you're pretty young, um, like a lot of our clients, right, moving on from your day job and going straight into real estate is not exactly plausible. Um, right. Getting into short-term, short-term rentals kind of gives you a footing into what the real estate world is. Also, more importantly, you get the tax benefits, right? Um, you don't necessarily need to be the reps in order to qualify and get this, a similar sort of tax benefit. Um, so I really think short-term rentals um, is a really powerful strategy that that um, that a lot of clients are using, and and we're able to see the effects of that, and it is pretty massive. Yeah, no, the short-term rental strategy really is like a gift, a gift from the real estate gods. Um, that yeah. uh, that loophole does exist, and um, hope it stays around for a while because it's really been really beneficial. And when you think about it. Airbnbs or VRBOs, just short-term rentals in general, there's a lot of things that go on that you don't see in just a normal rental property. I mean, if you go and you buy a long-term rental, that's a stable property, doesn't need much work to it. You put the right tenant in it for 12 months, you, you don't have to worry about that property. And he may, you, know, you, know, you don't have to worry about it day to day, probably for at least a year. 
Um, I mean, yeah, sure, things can happen, but they're fewer and far between. But when you're using a short-term rental business and you have people staying for seven days or less, I mean, there's a lot of things that can go into that. Clean it, you have to have it clean, you have to get it set up, you have to stage it properly. I mean, there's just, you have to deal with the people on the, you know, have to deal with the the conversations back and forth on the Airbnb, mm-hmm. all the inquiries, you have to get everybody set up, you have to set up the systems. It is definitely more of a business for sure than, than, yeah. than a pure rental property. And uh, that's what actually gives people the opportunity to take losses against their W-2 incomes without being a real estate professional, because it is exactly under the tax code a business and not a true rental, which uh, we yeah. all know rentals are passive. And, and I guess the, the hotelier um, side of me is also like, you know, if you get into a short-term rental, you're not capping out how much you can make in a month, right? right. Once your contract is set, is set for your long-term rentals, you're going to get, you know, 1,500, 1,800, 2,000, whatever the, the month to month is, you're not really going to exceed that amount. Um, so to be able to, you know, kind of be, have that, opportunity to get get a little extra revenue i think is also very um very lucrative along with getting tax benefits so right you you know something else i've been thinking a lot about short-term rentals too is like if you really if you were if if say someone wants to go and have vacation homes in certain locations throughout the country that they want to go travel to from time to time well you know, typically the average person is not going to be able to afford all of that because you, you're not going to just carry all these mortgages on, you know, yeah. you're not going to have yeah. the money to pay for them. But you know what, if you could buy them strategically in locations where you can rent them out, and then what you're able to do is you can go buy these, these, these vacation properties in these various areas across the, across the country where you act, where you might go travel to from time to time but then actually rent them out Airbnb. And if you do it the right way, it can actually be extremely lucrative. If you think about it, you could yeah. you stay there for 14 days or less, right? Or 10%. We're not going to get into all those details. So you stay there for 14 days or less for, throughout the year. Um, it's, you could still treat it as a rental property, right? Excuse me, as, yeah. as the, the short-term rental business. As a short-term rental. But you get to stay there and then you can have your, your, your tenants or your guests rather uh, pay off uh, pay, you know, pay the expenses for the property and you could even make a profit off of it. So mm-hmm. it's actually really, yeah, I'm about to sell myself on this idea here. Uh, <laughs> go buy some vacation properties and you could travel around and kind of have, have a business and have your own vacation. You, you can have business and pleasure at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, definitely, definitely interesting. So glad, glad you chose that, that one as, a, as one of your top strategies, because there's, there's, there's a lot to go on there. Um, any other particular strategies that you like um, in the, on the real estate side of things? Yeah, I think um, I didn't realize how powerful of a tool, you know, combining all of that with a cost segregation study is, um, you know, having been able to, you know, see the effects of that play out for several clients here. Um, that's definitely a game changer um, when it comes to being able to have an opportunity to dissect different aspects of a property, allowing you to take depreciation earlier, especially for clients who want to keep, um, you know, a near property for the next 10, 15, 20 years to be able to extract that, you know, tax benefit early years and then just have a huge cash flow over the next couple of years. Um, I've seen that play out really well for a lot of our clients. So um, yeah, that's definitely, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand exactly with short term rentals. 100%, 100%. So 
kind of shifting gears a little bit, you know, we've talked a lot about crypto over the last two podcast yeah. episodes. Uh, we, you know, a lot of our clients continually ask us about it. Uh, we have members of our tax smart community who ask about it. We even started our own tax smart uh, crypto group um, on Facebook. Uh, so, and I know you're, you're, you're in touch with the subject. You've been, you've been involved in crypto space for a while. I guess, could you kind of just give us an overview quickly of, you know, how you got into crypto and, um, and what you're currently have involved, what you currently have spinning right now. And before you say it's before, before you get into that, this is not investment advice for anybody who's listening to this. Crypto is a very volatile market. Um, it's not regulated. It's not highly regulated at the moment. Uh, that goes without. So this should all go without saying, do your own due diligence. You know, you're taking your own risks, but I just kind of wanted to hear Natick's take on the crypto, uh, on the crypto environments that he's been involved. Yeah, um, definitely think it's been an interesting environment. I think, you know, if you were to ask me in, you know, 2013, 14, 15, I'm like, yeah, stay away from crypto. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of people have done that. But um, yeah, I got into it after being exposed to more information and knowledge about it. Um, my uh, brother-in-law is, um, has been a huge fan of crypto for, for a really long time. So and, and he's on the really technical aspect of things. So he's an engineer. So he was able to really explain to me the technology behind it. And then it starts to kind of make a little bit more sense as to, hey, why does something like Bitcoin or Ethereum kind of have value? You know, it's not just, you know, not everything is a meme coin that people right. <laughs> people throw into, you know, the Doge or the Shibu, um, all those things. But so not everything is that, you know, even though they have their own sort of, you know, technology that's kind of back behind it. But that's kind of how I got into it and then realized the sort of potential that's there and the kind of the um, the group that's been created, the craze that's there for it. So um, kind of dabbled into mining myself several months back um, and then got into, you know, occasionally, you know, holding Ethereum, buying it, um, Bitcoin as well. And then now, you know, staking has become really, really new. Um, and then I think with the advent of, you know, Ethereum 2.0, that's going to be rolled out soon. That's going to, that's going to change a lot of things from um, just the sustainability perspective as well. So there's a lot of cool things happening. I think I'm still trying to understand more on the technicality side. Um, so I can really understand and value um, if the technology is something that is going to be more valuable in the future. I think similar to how you how we value uh, companies, right? We kind of value tech companies based on what sort of value they'll generate um, for users and customers in the future. I think a similar sort of thing is applied to crypto. And I think the reason why there's opportunity there is, you know, because it's still not regulated. People don't know exactly what's going to happen. So higher risk, higher reward. Um, right. I, I may not go and invest all the real estate funds to go into crypto, but maybe, you know, just to invest enough so I can keep me interested to keep me learning about it. Because for me, if I don't invest something, I'm not necessarily going right. to keep up and try to learn about it. So I don't know. Right. No, it makes a ton of sense. Makes a ton of sense. You know, one book I, one book I picked up recently was the Bitcoin standard um, mm. and a really interesting book for anybody out there who, who is, uh, who's interested in crypto or just trying to learn more, you know, long story short, that book's trying to present it as, you know, there's only going to be 21 million Bitcoins in yeah, existence exactly. ever. Um, and that should become like the world reserve currency is basically what they're trying to say because there, because because of its finite ability and also the ability to transfer it so quickly 
and you know easily around the world in a matter of minutes um, rather than gold, for example, which you know you really can't transport that easily, especially in large quantities. Um, so very interesting book. You know, I, I put some money in, wish I put a lot more in, of course, like I'm sure many people do, but uh, definitely an involving space and something I think we'll be focusing on a little bit more as a firm as, uh, as time goes on. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'd be really interested to see what, you know, tax implications come out of it too, right? Um, the way that it's been taxed um, has been interesting, um, not as stocks, right? More property, everything's capital gains, um, even with like staking, right? I mean, one of the really interesting things is if they're paying you out on a per second basis, you know, what is your basis in, 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 in that, um, in, in that asset, right? I mean, if it's being, and if the value changes per second, it's, it's really hard to come up with, Hey, how do we exactly tax this sort of, um, yeah. this sort of asset? So, so we, we were actually doing some research into that not too long ago. And apparently as, as, as I understand it today is that if you mine a coin, uh, it's going to mm -hmm. be, you know, you're going to recognize ordinary income as a miner, as a miner, um, yeah. at the second, at the moment, the coin comes into existence. Existence. Yeah. So that's the point where whatever the fair market value of that coin is at the second <laughs> that, that it comes into existence, well, that, there's your cost basis. Um, but yeah, definitely a very interesting field and going to be interesting to see how people track this. Um, it, it's going to be interesting from an accounting perspective, for sure. Um, as well as a tax perspective, I know that yeah. in, the, in the most recent bill, um, Biden's uh, the the, uh, the Build Back Better Act. Build Back Better, yeah. They want to they want to expand the definition of wash sales to apply to crypto because currently, as it stands today, uh, crypto is is not a security. It's not, it's not a stock, like you said, and um, they're basically saying that it's not subject to the wash sale rules, and they want to make it subject to the wash sale rules, which honestly makes a ton of sense from a tax perspective. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting. We'll see how it evolves. Um, so kind of before we, we, we wrap up the podcast, is there anything, any, any other things you wanted to share with our audience from a crypto perspective, from a real estate perspective, uh, anything else you wanted to impart? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the clients that we've been working with, everybody that's joined us, as an advisor, um, we probably get to learn just as much about real estate from you guys um, that we get to teach you guys. Now, he's not going to say teach, but we get to you know, help formulate a strategy. And it's really cool to see all the different you know, ways um, our clients are thinking about real estate or even just their investments, right? right. Um, ultimately, we're, we're creating a really awesome group um, with a bunch of smart individuals. Um, and I think that learning process is probably something that keeps us as advisors really interested. Right. Um, so really enjoyed probably every interaction I had with the client, um, whether it's talking real estate, whether it's crypto, whether it's, you know, any of their businesses that they run. So um, really, really appreciate uh, the time we get with the clients. So that's my favorite part about, about the job. You know, no, definitely a hundred percent. We've definitely learned a lot from our clients. It's always interesting to see what people have going on, different perspectives and you know, different types of investment styles and strategies and temperaments and really just point of views on a lot of things. So it's definitely been awesome. So uh, I think we're going to wrap up the podcast for today, but for anybody who is listening, if you want to get more access to myself or Natick, you want to work with us, uh, you can go to the realestatecpa.com. 
uh, fill out a become a client form and uh, one of our representatives will get in touch with you. Uh, or you could check out Tax Smart Investors, taxsmartinvestors.com. We do have the Plus Plan subscription where we will be doing two to three live Q&As every month, as well as a monthly workshop, especially as we go into 2022. We're really going to take that a lot, a lot, a lot more seriously and really uh, pour a lot of value into that service. So again, that's taxsmartinvestors.com. Check out the Plus Plan. It's only $49 a month. You can get two to three live Q&As with myself, uh, other team members like Natick and others will be involved. I will do monthly workshops. Really a great way to learn about taxes at a fraction of the cost on, of like just a full-blown advisory engagement if you're not quite there yet. So feel free to check that out. Uh, otherwise, thank you for tuning into this episode. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.